What's up, boss? This is Abraham's wallet. We span the gap between the austerity of obedience to God and the prosperity rising from faithfulness. Run your home and your dough like a biblical boss. All right, we're here with uh, Justin Wolfenberg. And uh, if you missed our episode touring his Abrahamic tent, well then, go watch the episode where we tour his Abrahamic tent. We didn't go through right behind the cameras uh, all of this uh, new construction of this house that he and his conscripted uh, teenagers, teenager crew, are building. Um, but I wanted to sit down with Justin and have him talk through, I think, what is one of the most formative things that I've heard you teach before. And it's the relationship of, of church to family. And that's something that so many people struggle with. Um, we are trying to do everything we can to encourage, inspire, and equip fathers to take a spiritual leadership role. But Justin, they feel that role is already taken, has already been taken by somebody, which is the local pastor. So would you start talking to us a little bit about that dynamic and what help us pull through the layers of crud that have been put on this subject and how can we get back to the word of God and what the Lord's truth is on this yeah, subject? Yeah, it's a good it's a good question and it's like a you have to going to go way 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 back. Let's and do it. Like and I think it's even important to think about like when you think about we're talking about building houses or we're talking about building houses like how what foundation you want to build that house on or if you're going to have a government you want to have a communist government or do you want to have a democracy. Or well, you said in building king. this house, the first thing, you didn't get to build the fancy master bath mm -hmm. first. You had to build a wall digging yes. down or this whole house would have fallen over. Yes. And so the architecture, right? And so it's hard. We, we don't even know how to have conversations about the architecture of church, for lack of a better word. We just, we're always, and, and so whenever I'm having these conversations, I'm not talking about people. I'm talking about the, the architecture or the system that's there. Yeah. And so... When Jesus came and he said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life, right? That, that, there, there was so much to that. And obviously the salvation piece is very critical and central to that whole thing. But the way, like the, the book of Exodus is like the way, right? There's a whole, a lot more than just salvation. It's like, how do you build the church? How do you architect the church? Our whole church architecture started around 400 A.D., when everything flipped. So from 100 to 400, there was a certain architecture of church. Mm -hmm. And then starting at 400 on, we've had a different architecture. Mm -hmm. So some of us have been wrestling with this question is, what does the Bible say about the architecture of the church? Mm -hmm. And so it becomes a really hard question when you ask the question, like I've sat down with pastors and I said, just show me, I mean, a crazy question. How many times does the word pastor show up in the Bible? Anyone guess? It's like five. Less than that, once, okay. <laughs> once, right. and it's in the Ephesians verse in Ephesians four when there's five, four other things listed in conjunction with it, but it's become the central figure in our in our church architecture, and so it's an entirely made up architecture system that's not actually in the Bible, and it becomes very challenging because uh, we're we've often had and can have really meaningful experiences in the local church and and God can do good so we become very attached to some of that I was just about stuff. to yeah. say do we make the caveat right now yes. we're, we're not trying to destroy your local <laughs> no, church no, no, not at all not at all 
But I, I do want to do that. So if you think about, um, and you can pop up some of these things to, to show on here, is think about some of these things about the, the architecture of it, and you can pop up the drawing. If you think about church, and you can, God, who does he hold first responsible in this whole thing? Is it the pastor or the father? Mm -hmm. And who's kind of the head of this architecture system? In our current day, we've made the pastor kind of direct commune in between God. That's why the pastor has to go on a retreat, has to come back with a vision for right. the whole church, for all of our families. Where the whole different thing, when God was building his system, and I love the story of Abraham because he goes, God was, you know, had started with Noah, there was a bunch of problems, he wiped everything out, started all over again with Abram. And Abram, his name means exalted father, yeah. right? And then he changed his name to father of many nations. And so when God was thinking about building a foundation, he said, I need to start with a father, <laughs> right? That's because fascinating. That, that's what's going to ripple through society. That's the foundation. All these other things, really good worship leaders, pastors, prophets, all things are valuable, evangelists. But unless your architecture of a strong family is there, what you're building on is at most one generational fruit. That's so critical. Let's just say it again for the people. When God was thinking, I'm going to incarnate my plan for humanity, he went and found the most gifted church planter he could find. No. Oh, okay. Sorry. <laughs> Wrong. Okay. He went to a, he found a, the most faithful father yes. he could find. Yes. He's like, that guy will follow me to the end. And, and I think it's worth saying, we, we have enough stories about Abraham that we can say this definitively about him. What the dude had was fealty. He had loyalty and allegiance to God's word. Yes. When God told him something, he freaking did it. Yes. He believed him when there was no tangible reason around him to go, this is going to work, or God, or he didn't have any of the references that we have where I can look at you and go, my buddy Justin's doing it. He's hanging in there. I can do it too. Yes. He had none of that. He yes. had God's word to go on and he followed God's word. And yes. God looked at that guy and said, that's a dad I can build a kingdom on. Yes. And in Genesis, hot. Yes. In Genesis 18, he says, I'm choosing Abraham because he will teach his children righteousness and justice. It says it. And so, you know, and that's kind of the whole... Uh, summary of the Bible, the righteousness, the good character of God, and justice of God as well. He's going to teach his children both of that. And that's how he foresaw that. Like Abraham's mentioned more than, way, way more in the Bible than Moses. Like 77 times, I think, in the New Testament, Abraham's referenced. Yeah. Uh, because of the foundation that he laid, his faith as being a piece of it, but also that building block of society. Yeah. Yes. Teaching his children. Okay. Yes. So now walk us through some of, the, some of the ways that we can compare and contrast what does the modern church system look like versus the early church system? Yeah, so one of the simple ways is how you would go to church. Right? Okay. So if you would come into a, a, a local church, it's pretty normal. You have a couple songs and the pastor will teach from 25 to 40 minutes and there might be a song and an offering at the end, right? It's a standard protocol. Yeah. If you were to go to church in the days of Jesus, it would be done, and it's all in the scriptures. I have a whole, whole trainings on this where we just read the Bible. You would walk into these churches, and you would sit down at a table or in a circle. There would be a table in the center, and then there would be bleachers around the table. 
And then when the head, one of someone who is highly respected, would read the scripture, and one of my favorite things to ask people, and they almost never get it, I don't care if they've been to seminary or not, like when Jesus read the verse in Luke, when he said, I came to free the captives and the brokenhearted. And I always ask, what did Jesus do after he read that scripture? He was in the, in the temple. And it says right in there in Luke, it says, and he sat down. And so the format was scripture was priority. It was read while standing up. And then the reader would sit down and there would be a heated discussion or argument uh, where questions were allowed to be asked. And a multitude of voices could be heard. I pulled out my phone because you mentioned the bleachers of people sitting and watching yes. people discussing as we're doing God's yes. word. And I'm thinking, oh, is there anybody watching this discussion? Oh, wait, <laughs> there's somebody right there watching this discussion. That's your child. That's kind of how it's supposed to work, yes. isn't it? Yes. Um, um, so that would would we say that that discussion is the midrash? Yes, that's the midrash that you and I attend and it's a different, you have to have a different set of beliefs. And it's not that some people love Jesus, some people don't. Right. I believe, not, but a different set of beliefs about what is primary is one, I mean, I've often wondered, is does one person have enough revelation to speak 40 weeks of the year to me? And I'm like, I know I don't. Uh -huh. I don't think one person over the next 30 years, why would we expect one person to be that level of a rock star? Yeah. Like, it's insane. Yeah. Uh, but the council of multitude of elders, right, and their voices. And one of my favorite pieces about this is that it's uh, teenagers like to go to this, right, where on our current system, you have to do something more entertaining for the children uh -huh. because really, frankly, real church is too boring. Uh -huh. You know, so you have to create, we've created a thing that it's in the, you know, a debate is very exciting in yeah. the church. I was about yes. to say, but you know what's interesting? Human tension. Yes. That's what we that's what we're scanning, looking yes. for when we're scrolling through Netflix or like, show me some human tension. You put some 17 year old boys in front of 20, 40 year olds who are ar arguing about what does this verse actually mean? You've got entertaining yes. viewing. Yes. You and I have both done full time church work as yes. our job. Been very close to that system. And I always feel pity for these guys who are expected to bring down God's word from the mountain. You mentioned for 50 weeks a year. I always think their rev, whatever their take is on what God's doing, that's supposed to be a one size fits all for a thousand people. If you just say a hundred people at their church, are you kidding that what God's saying to that one guy is supposed to apply to a hundred people 50 weeks a year? It's crazy undue pressure. Yes. And again, for this invented system that we've come up with, God bless us, doesn't mean that somebody hates God that, that is working in that system. But as you're saying, it's not the system of the scriptures. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because in, up until there was no such thing as full-time ministry until after 100 AD, until after Jesus and Paul and them were all dead. Mm -hmm. Paul said, I work with my hands. Mm -hmm. And Jesus was a carpenter. Like, mm -hmm. He was not on the dole full time. He may have been bivocational. Paul may have gotten some money, you know, but they worked with their hands. Mm -hmm. right? And that does a lot in terms of your credibility of like, I know what your life is like. Mm -hmm. right? I know what it's like when a job goes bad. You know, I've been there working, you know. And so that system also 
protects the rock star deal. Yeah. And that's another system. And so full-time ministry, even the Levitical priest would only go to the temple five weeks out of the year. They would go for the three festivals and then they would serve together. This is crazy. We're reading in numbers right now. You would serve together as your family. If you were in the Levite deal, it would be like you sleep on this side of the tabernacle and your family is in charge of this job. Right. God actually designed serving in ministry together as a family. Uh -huh. And so it, it's a really uh, different way of thinking about it. Um, is there a book that you'd recommend that, that walks, if somebody's interested in knowing about how things unraveled that first couple hundred years, is there a book you'd it's recommend? It's hard to find some of those resources. Okay. I don't remember any okay. good books There's that, one, other than I, I, I ask because I don't want to dominate. Okay. I was just going to recommend one. It's such a readable book. Not the whole book is about this, but there's a section that walks you through a very, a very entertaining ride through what I would say was the, the decomposition of the scriptural uh, description of church. It's called The Open Church by James uh, Rutz. Okay. And he tries to put his finger on how did we get to this, this place where I could... Okay, let's, let's forget me. Let you, you go into a church, and I'm thinking, Justin really knows God's Word, and he really has some wonderful insight on how to be a family leader. But if you go to the local Baptist church, I already know there won't be a place for you to speak in that thing. There could be 20 people in the room. You still won't have an opportunity to speak. We won't hear anything about what okay, your heart could be burning with the spirit of anointing. And you don't, there's no place for you to speak. And so he was trying to put his finger on it. And he just walked through the whole deal with Constantine, how he, Constantine, it appears maybe came to faith. He looked around like, well, there's a temple to Artemis and there's a temple to Athena. We should have a temple for the Hebrew God. And why don't we just do their systems? They kind of have these little services. Let's do a service. And so we, we, we backfilled into a pagan system, just replacing, oh, they have statues of their gods. Let's get statues of the 12 disciples. And now we have saints and all of this garbage that got built up over the years so anyhow yes back to you we've been talking about kind of when you start thinking differently and believing about your role as a father i remember when this first started i really had a desire to be a good husband and a good father but i really didn't know how right and i had tons of insecurity about getting married frankly and having kids i was terrified of it mm. and i actually had a good reason to be scared because i was going to be set into a system that was no good yeah. And when I finally got exposed to this idea of thinking about family differently, it filled me with such hope because I was like, oh, I could actually do this better. I thought my job was like, make sure I bring home a paycheck and be the kind of the fun, lovey guy and make sure my kids have lots of fun. Right. That's that what was, the sitcoms tell us. And I honestly believe that. And so that's what I was kind of gearing up. But there's something I didn't feel peace in my soul about that. And I remember when I first started thinking about this differently, like I remember taking Henry when he was a little baby to a playground and being so bored and nothing wrong with playgrounds at all. It can be a great place to go. <laughs> but for me, it didn't get my heart going uh -huh. and it was boring. And I was like, well, I'm supposed to be bored. I'm supposed to serve my kids and lay my life down for them. And then I was like, maybe I don't. And then I started going, what do I love doing? And so I love riding bikes, road bikes, not the motorcycle bikes, which a lot of people love doing. Yeah. I like road bikes, you pedal. So I was like, we're starting to ride bikes. So when he was little, I, I got a bike for the back, and, you know, a seat for the back of my bike. We'd go on bike rides and he loved it. And yes. when he was three years old, he could ride a bike. Yes. And that has continued today where I take my whole family 
on bike trips, adventures, you know, and they're meaningful and fun. And, and I'm leading with something that's coming passionate and enjoying me out of my heart. And I'm taking all my kids on these crazy, they could tell you stories after stories of crazy bike adventures we've been on uh, because that came out of my heart uh, versus this. And I think they honestly would say they have more fun than if I go sit in the playground and try not to look at my phone, right? Yes. It's just like, you know, because I'm not engaged. Yes. I'm, I'm leading them on in a mission. And so that goes a long way when I start thinking about when I'm sitting in a church and the pastor is way more charismatic than me, knows the Bible better than me, I inevitably feel inadequate. Like uh -huh. I can't do this as a father. But when the bar is open the Bible, which we do, and read it at your table. If you can read, you can do this. The, let the word be the central teacher. And versus a charismatic, funny pastor. That's huge. And that, that when that changes, and I remember like we even stopped doing kids' Bibles. Because I was like, I don't, when am I going to make them like, here's, are you ready for the boring version? You have right. to, we have to take you away from the picture version. I know that was fun. Sorry. We're going to take it all away. I don't want you to know, watch all these cool videos. Now here's the real boring version. No, it's like my kids start reading the Bible from when they were babies. Thomas and John Daniel have been listening to the, the Bible being read since they were literally in high chairs. Uh -huh. And they're still doing it when they're five and six years old. And so uh, it, it just, you're, you just, it, I just, I have made the choice. I'm going to trust that God knew what he was doing. And my, it's a cultural thing that you have to spruce it up and entertain it and make it palatable for them. Uh -huh. it, there's no, I can't do that every day. Yeah. I don't have it in me. Yeah. I don't think any father honestly does. I don't care how talented you are. You can't perform that way. Right. But can I read the Bible to my kids? Yes, I can. And you said something to me a couple of weeks ago, I think after a midrash, and we were talking about this role. And you said, I can tell you that a child, say a 10-year-old, is going to forget sitting through hundreds of sermons. Almost none of that will stick. But if their father, who they live with and see, simply opens a Bible up and reads the Bible to the family, that will be remembered. Yes. And there is an attention. God has built in the gravitas of a father in a home that no other person on planet Earth will ever have in a child's life as dad in a home. So to open up God's word and even to have the humility, it's, it's actually really, you're acting like it's, it's, a, it's, a, a, it's one of our crutches, which it is, it relieves us, but it's actually an important point to, to present to a child. I'm not the last word on this issue. What I'm about to read is the last word on this issue. My comments are secondary to what this thing says. We're going to read this thing. This is what we exalt as our greatest teacher, is what the Spirit of God will say to us through His Word. That's, that's huge. So I love you having the faith. You're not being lazy. You're saying, I have the faith that God's Word, this is what Jesus said about the Word, you plant the word in like seed and you don't even know how it's doing what it does and it will produce fruit on its own. So forgive me for taking over a little bit here, but you, you're revving me up. I, I remember when I, I had a daughter who was three and I had decided that the songs that we were going to do with them, I, we're a singy family, I want my children in songs. 
I wanted to primarily do scripture verses. I wanted those to be the songs because music is a great way to get, we're supposed to be hiding his word in our hearts. So when I'm leading worship, a lot of time I do Psalms so that we can just get those scriptures in it. So we would do scripture verses. Well, one night I was rocking my uh, three-year-old to sleep and and, um, I was just having a little conversation with her and she says, you know what I just did just now? I go, no, I don't know what you just did. She goes, I just asked Jesus into my heart. And I thought, the first thing that my mind did was, where did you hear that language? I didn't teach you that language. I'm never trying to plant that language. If you want daddy to love you, say you asked Jesus into your heart. We never did any of that stuff. She came out with that statement. And then I'm thinking, is that allowed? Can you do that as a three-year-old? What's happening here? This is very strange. And I, I said something like, uh, I, I said something like, How, where did you get that idea? Or where did that come from? She said, she started singing to me, Behold, behold, I stand at the door and knock, knock, knock. If anyone hears my voice, I will open, open, open the door and will come in. So I asked him in. That's awesome. I was sitting there thinking, God's word did the work in her heart. I never talked to her about this process. You can make a decision, little girl. Why don't we fold our hands in prayer now? God's word did the thing. So you're just saying, I'm having the faith to go, if I will shove God's word into my children, I don't know what it'll do. I just know it's there's something powerful about God's word. Okay. And what's beautiful about your story is who gets the credit? You? <laughs> Not me. Right? God. Like yeah. in that, we just... we. Like if the if if I get the credit and I get the blame, or what? Let the Lord get the glory. That story, you're like, well, the Lord did that. Yeah. He gets the glory. Of that, course, that's the beauty. Than you doing a song and a dance to make it happen, and right. you take all the credit. And we pat you on the back. Right, right. It's great. It's a great story. So when you think about when you're thinking about if you're thinking about as a father, one of the words I like to think about is being responsible. Right. And yeah. So that that's a word of I have responsibility and I have a bias. I think most men do, or at least according to scripture, to be passive. And so <laughs> and our women, our wives. Have I heard a bias. that was a problem, Adam. Yes. Had. Yeah. Something uh-huh. way back. And, and, and then obviously Eve had the other curse, which was to be controlling. Yeah. Right. And so it's a very normal in a family where you see the, the father really being second in terms, of, especially with like discipline and. Or things along those in nature. The, the wife is quick. She's more intuitive typically. She sees it quicker. Yeah. And she'll just take care of it. And the dad's like, okay, honey, can I help you? You yeah. know? And so and this when is I, the Ahab Jezebel dynamic. Yes. Yeah. And so I am very conscious, and Shelly and I have gone through a lot on this, and we're you know, on the same page, like with a heavy discipline comes to me. So, for example, this, this week, it will be front and center, this week, Thomas and John Daniel went down to the neighbor's house and got into the neighbor's pool without asking us. And that was a big problem on many levels, disrespecting the neighbors, putting themselves at risk. So it was okay. So, you know, get the call from the wife, hear the whole story, come home. I have to, you know, wait. They're going to, they're sitting quietly till I come home. I'm the one responsible for disciplining them. And then the next night, I'm the one responsible for walking the boys down to the house and so they're going to go down and apologize to them. And I'm going to start. This is my family. This happened on my watch. I want to say from my family to your family, that I'm sorry. Awesome. And then the boys were like, I'm sorry. You know, and so we did it together, you know. And uh, 
I ha and there was not I can tell you there was not one fun thing about that. Mm. Uh, there was everything in me wanted to be like, Shelly, can you just send a text message yeah. saying we're sorry? You know, like, but I Not knew, savory. yeah, I, I knew that was my job. I'm responsible for what happens in and through my household. And so that becomes really important when you start thinking that way and realizing, oh, the other thing I was going to talk about I think is really important is when, we, when I really started to believe this, I think it's really important you go see people. You go experience and go to other people's family meals. We found either through stories or actual people for families who had multi-generational families. They could go back to their great-grandfathers. They had four generations of solid Christian families. Cool. And we visited three of them and spent time with them. And, and all of them said the same thing about the father reading the Bible at the What table. did they say? That was it. Okay. That <laughs> was it. I was expecting it to be like super What was the question that you asked them? I said, you're raise godly children you're saying your parents and grandparents were godly and then your grandchildren are godly tell me because i got tired of listening to the 30 year old that was super funny and creative online i was like they know nothing they don't have any fruit why are we listening to them they're entertaining yes. we think they know something we're actually not following the gray hairs yes. so i we made it a point you know we went all the way to akron we went to mississippi we went to tennessee awesome. we went places to spend time with these families and the one thing all of them all of them had in listen up everybody was the father would read the bible around the table that was the only thing they were different denominations. there was different lots of flavors and you know and that was it and we watched them do it mm -hmm. and it was unbelievably unimpressive <laughs> and i mean that i love it it's a very important because if i walked out going i can't oh do a they were around, unbelievable i was like i can do that i can do that i can do that and that that really helped me believe how important it was. And again, it's if you think, if you're a father and you're like, I have to make it entertaining, I've got to be witty, I've got to be clever, I've got to be insightful, I've got to know, he, no, you have to be faithful. Amen. You have to be faithful. Radical. And if you can read the Bible, then you're just saying, I'm trusting you, Lord. That, that's the heart of a father saying, I'm, I'm going to walk and do this thing. And, that, and, and so we've had lots of families come over and watch us do it. And they're like, they do the same thing. Oh, I can do that. <laughs> you know? Right. And so, like, I encourage you not to, like, just listen to this thing. Come find a family. Come with us. We'd be happy to have you come to our breakfast. Right. You know, we'll give you all jobs. You'll work alongside my kids. You'll make breakfast. You'll feed animals. You can be a part of the whole process. And you'll walk out going, I can do this. What, what yes. breakfast do you have people in on? Is that one day of the week? It's every day. Every day. Yes. Anybody can come to you breakfast yes. at your yes. house. What time? Uh, what time we eat? About eight o'clock now. Okay. Yes. Yeah. But you want to come be a part of the. Every alarms go off. What time, Adria? Seven thirty. Seven thirty. Everybody's up in our household. Everybody has a job in the morning, and you're off and running. And um, just just trying to fill in the blanks for people conceptually. We saw in the previous episode when we walked through your house, we saw the uh, table that the, you, the eight of you are sitting around this table. How how often and are you reading the bible to them is that every morning it's, right now it's every morning every morning yes. and um even on your sabbath no, no i should take that back we take the sabbath off you sleep in yes saturday so, yes saturday like everything stops okay everything ceases so there's no alarm clocks and that you know they love that we like that Okay. And if your kids don't like Sabbath, it means you're not working them hard enough during the week. That's a great point. If your kids don't get excited about the Sabbath, you're not working them hard enough during the week. Yes. 
great one. Um, what are some other things? Okay, uh, uh, there's a young dad watching this, and he's going, okay, I don't know the whole history of the church that you guys are describing. I, I'm not sure about all of this stuff, um, but if you say the one, the one number one thing I can do is start finding places around the table, the family table, to start reading God's word. Do they have to read a chapter at a time? You do, it doesn't matter. It, like, I, like, I can speak in front of a thousand piece people and I am more nervous and insecure around my own family than I would be in front of a thousand people. Of course, there's nowhere to hide. Yeah, there's nowhere to hide. But it's really fascinating and I feel, I, I find, I'm just trying to be really vulnerable because I want people to know what it's really like. I don't want to sell it and oversell it. Good for you. And so, when you, if and when you try to do this, your insecurity and your shame will come flying to the surface. And I don't understand why God does it, but it just will, okay? <laughs> and I remember when I first started doing this, I would literally be sweating under my armpits. Mm. I'd be yelling at my wife. I'd be yelling at my kids, listen, sit down. Like, I didn't like who I was. Mm. But all I was trying to do is read the Bible. Like, and so I think there, and every father has to walk through this on some level, you know, how you'll get that, you know, like, you know, do that. You know, if I go teach somewhere, people will nod their head, take notes. Sure. I do my family. It doesn't happen. Yeah. It's just like, what? You know, but so it's really important. You're, you have, and that's why I always want to go to the belief before the how. You have to believe you reading and mispronouncing words when you're reading the Bible yeah. is way more important than any YouTube, Instagram, powerful youth leader that will ever have on anyone's life yeah. than you reading the Bible. You have to believe that. Yeah. And you have to work through that insecurity, however long it takes, three months, six months to do it and start very slow. Do not try to do 30 minutes. Dumb, dumb, dumb. dumb. You're going to beat someone by the end of that, right? Do two minutes. You read three lines of the Bible and you go, did everyone hear that? Shut the Bible. High five. We're done. Out. You're That's good. Smart. You're win. Come back the next day, do to it, you know, until you get to a point. And I'm, I've, we've been doing this for five, six, seven years now, and I've made it repeatable. It's, it's short and it's sweet yes. and it's a doable. Yes. I've not done something that's not yes. sustainable. If you try to build a church service, yes. uh, daddy's going to speak for 20 minutes, <laughs> and then we're going to have two songs, everybody, and then there'll be an invitation. Let's all close our eyes yes. and think, think deeply about what we've yes. heard. You're going. You're not only going to be exhausted. You'll exhaust them. Yes. And they'll go like, not. Let's don't do that again. Yes. But if you give them, let's look at three verses about what Jesus said, and let's all just think for a second about what he said. Boy, isn't that interesting? All right. See you tomorrow. Then tomorrow when it comes up, we'll be like, well, new thought for the day. We can yeah. do that. Mm -hmm. So it's a very important thing because I think people get geared up. Oh, we're going to do the big thing. Like you say, just keep it short and simple. Yes. Think of there's a picture of God, obviously, is the central authority, and under him is Father, right? And then under the Father is the household. And then the equipping pastors, teachers, prophets, evangelists, apostles serve the Father. That's a whole architecture question. That whole picture is a when you have that as your building block, you think about the church differently. Then and, but our current model is God is up here, then the pastor gets the revelation, and then the pastor speaks to the family individually, wife and children, and uh, then the father serves the pastor's vision. 
And his so, whole job is to get his family in front of the pastor. Yes, and serve his vision. So he's going to have a vision because he's a father. And he might, he might be a very talented father. He has a big vision. But it's your job as a father to serve his vision. Wow. So when I go and use my teaching gifts somewhere, I'm going to serve a father. I want to serve that father. They're not serving my agenda. Great point. And so that, that flip changes quite a bit in how you think about the church. Huge. So the, the father is rather supplanted in the, in the modern system. Um, and it's, it's, it's important to say that when it's all said and done, when the Lord is uh, collecting accounts and asking for accounts, he might not be going back to the head pastor to talk about your family. It should scare the bejeebers out of us as fathers. We should really, it's really terrifying because if I, my level of engagement, if I have a job and I know I'm going to be held accountable for it, is way higher than if I'm not responsible. But if I have accountability and I'm responsible and I'm going to answer to God, like when God came to the, to the garden to Adam, he goes, Adam, you know, Eve is the one who ate the apple, but he went straight to Adam because <laughs> he gave Adam the command and he went to Adam and said, what happened? And that is the picture of how this is going to go down. And for me, and so that, I, I take that as a very healthy fear of the Lord. Yes. Say, I am responsible. That helps me move when I want to be passive or I'm afraid or insecure or I'm messing up or whatever it is. I'm going to be responsible. One of, one of the scariest verses in the Bible is Hebrews 4.13. It says, Every, uh, everything, sorry, nothing in all of creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. And if you're a 10-year-old daughter, you're only accountable. How old are you? 11. Sorry. Gosh, I know that was insulting to be called 10 if you're 11. If you're an 11-year-old daughter, you'll only be held accountable to God for something that an 11-year-old daughter would have, which would be obedience and faithfulness to his word and the things that you've heard him say to you personally. But if you're a father, drum roll, you will be held accountable for the things that he has put upon a father to do. And if you have tried to hide behind, well, that's just not, that's just not the modern way and the people around me do this and this. I don't think God's going to go, oh, okay, that's cool. He's going to go, I'm sorry, there are things that I hold you responsible for. So I'll speak for myself again vulnerably, which is I'm trying to condition myself to crave and enjoy responsibility that the Lord gives me. And I love your story about uh, walking down to the neighbors um, to help the boy, to, to one, take ownership as the father. This isn't just their sin. It's our sin. My household sinned against your household. Um, but I, I want to, to get into the state where I not only, I'm going to do it because I know that this is the place God's put me in, but I want something in me. God, I'm asking for this kind of heart, that something in me that rises and going, now this is what I was made for. I'm going to do this. God, help me to love the things that you call me to. Help me to love the responsibility that you've given me. And I'm, I'll speak for myself. As low, you, you mentioned that we, 
nobody's going to just make it to just uh, turn cartwheels. Let's all sing a song and let's sing this hymn, five verses. I'll play it on the organ here in the corner of the house. Everybody wears out at that. Even the very low bar that you just set to simply let's read a paragraph of the Bible at dinner. I'm telling you there are many dinners or breakfasts where I sit down and I think, I don't want to lead somebody in reading the Bible right now. What I feel so much self-pity right now. I would like for everybody, I like to go around the table and have everybody affirm me. What do you think about that? <laughs> or let daddy tell you a sad story about why well, I was disappointed and lost money today and everybody give me a pat on the back and tell me that it'll be okay. How about that? I'd like that. And you sit down and you just go like, that's not the job description. You're going to have to get over yourself and do what God's called you to do. Take your responsibility. So God bless us as we, as we do that. Well, um, what, you're what you have laid out for us is a very different way of thinking. Um, I, I know that some guys are going to hear this and be super charged up. And some guys are going to almost like hang their head because they go like, that's such a high calling for me. Um, has there been any, any response that you've seen in working with young dads who respond to this kind of, as, do, do they respond in a variety of ways? Yeah, I mean, we've been doing this for a while and I feel so good about this because it actually sticks. Uh -huh. You know, we go through the fads and I've seen dads who started with me and they're still on the trajectory and we're seeing good things come yes. out of their families. No perfect stories, there's plenty of problems, but I'm seeing fathers change and stay the course yeah. 10 years later. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, I can get a part of that. I've gone, you know, I've seen people I haven't seen in seven years and they say, thank you for introducing me. My whole life is totally different. Mm. You know, I haven't seen them in seven years. You know, like something changes yeah. and it stays. Like when it says be fruitful and multiply, right? Like I just don't want to multiply or not bear fruit. Yeah. I've just seen it bear fruit. I have a lot of confidence in this thing that if you get a hold of this, you just keep going. And is the, what, what is the switch? Is it just a decision? What, what's the well, switch? I, 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 it's never a, it's never a, it, there's probably a moment where there's an awareness moment, but it never, it doesn't stop there. It's a, always a journey, okay. right? You have to have the light bulb go off, yeah. but then you got to start walking in faith. It's like, you know, the obvious parable, the seed, some grow, some don't, yeah. right? So it's like, You've got to go seek the kingdom. You've got to, like, disciples are made by immersion. They are not made by listening to podcasts. True. You've got to immerse yourself with other peoples and communities. Like you heard me say, we went and sought the kingdom. I went and invited myself over to people's house. Yeah. I, I was a very aggressive in getting help and learning and experiencing it. And I think that was so critical for us actually changing. It awesome. wasn't just ideas. I don't know if this feels bizarre to you. We don't have to include it if you think this is strange. But I was just wonder if you would either bless or actually pray for the people listening. Yeah, I, man, I, nothing fires me up more than a father kind of getting a hold of the vision the Lord put in them. Like, I, I just believe in every father there's something, some spark. I've talked to too many old guys that say, well, I had this vision, but no one would follow me. And I, I almost want to cry. Uh -huh. And when a father comes to awakening and their vision goes, I honestly feel like I'm around the burning bush and I want to take off my mm. shoes because it's a holy moment. Because for the same reason God saw 
Abraham and saw a vision of what could come through his life if one father got a hold of this vision. I believe that's true for you. There's something God has put in your heart, and it won't come easy, and it won't be free. But there's a generations uh, that could be impacted by one father, you, choosing to lay it all down and pursue this course of saying, I want to be the spiritual leader of my family and take responsibility for what God has given me. And I just bless you on that journey. It's powerful. Amen. All right. Thank you so much for your time, Justin. Yeah, thank you.